And it's the last Sunday of the first month of the new year, 2021. And it's the last day as well of this first month. It's January 31, and by God's grace, we are alive, we are kicking, very much healthy, filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, mga kapatid from Lighthouse Regions, Citygate family. My name is Pastor George Ubaldo for those that have just tuned in with us. Thank you that you could join us in today's online service. And I also would like to commend my brothers and my sisters because today marks the last day and the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yes! Ihanda na ang mga adobo. Pwede na tayong mag-break ng fast after 21 days. I'd like to commend you for having the discipline of depriving yourself, yourselves of your much favorite food for the last 21 days. I'm sure that the revelations of the Holy Spirit have been such great experience for all of us as we have whetted our appetite for the spiritual food, as we have consciously set aside our privilege for having the best physical food ever. It's the discipline that God wants His children to embrace for the rest of our tenure here in this planet Earth. To believe and to know that man does not live by bread alone. Kung meron ka ng momentum, kapatid, why didn't you make it 30 days of prayer and fasting? Seven more days, come on. Or probably you can, as you already have imbibed the habit of disciplining yourself in the manner by which you eat. Maybe this is already a good start for you to start rebuilding that physical health part of your body. Because a saint that will be useful, a believer and a disciple that will be useful for the works of the kingdom is somebody that is also physically healthy. Today also will mark the end or the last installment of our sermon series, which I began the very first Sunday of January, which we have entitled Far from the Shallow. We have reason that if Christian life is to be marked by power, if our tenure here in this planet will be marked by such an impact in the lives of those that we are privileged to interact with, we have to live our lives not in a shallow manner. That's already the childish ways that we had when we were just new believers. Now it's time for us to chew on the solid food of the Word of God. And so we reasoned that it really takes the obedience of faith to convince us that we are no longer babes, na hindi na tayo mga musmus sa ating paglakad sa pananampalataya. And we reasoned and we were given the revelation of the Holy Spirit that for as long as we are willing to obey, the good and the righteous commands of the Lord. Oh, God will never deprive us of the blessings that I believe He has always been excited to pour unto His obedient children. What's the key to this? A heart that hears. Not only ears that listen, but a heart that really perceives and discerns of the wonderful gospel, of the wonderful counsel of the word of the Lord. And so we've been preparing ourselves 
on how it is to cultivate a heart that truly hears the very beating of the heart of the Godhead. Last Sunday, Pastor Jonathan spoke to us about the rules of life, the ABCDs of life. How we can, as disciples of the Lord, ask how we should be bearing fruit, how we should be a community of caring people, and how we should develop our spiritual disciplines. So that, in so doing, we can go deep. Today is Vision Sunday. 2018, when Pastor Albert passed on the baton to me as the new senior pastor of Lighthouse Christian Community, I gathered the pastors and the leaders of the church. And we started asking ourselves, what is the Spirit saying to the church today? And one of the images that we received, not just in our dreams and visions, but in the reading of the Word of God, is the image of a very much broken world. This was 2018. We didn't know at the time that the pandemic would soon be coming by the year 2020. We didn't know at the time that the world's economy would turn upside down, that there would be massive layoffs and there would be major economic upheavals, major social uh, cataclysms that would soon be happening. But more than the physical, more than the economic, more than the financial brokenness, the Lord started reminding the leaders of the church that the wicked will not stand in judgment. The sinners will never be able to stand in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord started reminding us, the Word of God started enlightening us, that as much as we are, that the Lord delights in the comfort of His people, one pastor would say, yes, the Lord would comfort the afflicted, but He always afflicts the comfortable. He doesn't want His people to be so comfortable that we're no longer mindful of the sad state of those people that are still utterly lost in their spiritual lives. Sinugo niya ako upang dalhin ang magandang balita sa mga inaapi, upang pagalingin ang mga sugotang puso, upang ipahayag sa mga bihag at sa mga bilanggo na sila ay lalaya. Isaiah 61. And so God started reminding us of the words of the Lord spoken to prophet Isaiah, a prophetic utterance that would now define or that would soon be defined by the exile experience of His people. The Lord knew na namumuro na sa kasalanan ang mga anak ng Israel. They have forsaken the laws of the Lord. They have altogether turned their backs from the love of God and they ran into the arms of their lovers, namely their idols. They have exchanged the genuine for the counterfeit. And so, because of that, God as a loving Father decreed that punishment and discipline was now very much due to these stiff-necked people. But the grace of God would always be exhibited that even in the anger, in the righteous indignation of God, even before the exile happened, the Lord already spoke to the prophet Isaiah that He would provide for those who grieve in Zion. That He will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. 
the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And that they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That is the power of the Word of God. That is the anointing of the prophets who could foresee, who could foretell the future events that would soon unfold. But in these prophetic utterances came also the comfort of the Lord. That yes, there will be grieving, there will be mourning, there will be brokenness. But such is the grace of God that you will see the beauty in the midst of the ruins. That you will receive the anointing of the oil of gladness. That you will be bestowed the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And when you would come out of this sorry experience, you will truly be called oaks of righteousness. And so Lighthouse family, Citygate family, the Lord has shown us this image of a tree, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And we soon realized when the pandemic came how important, how pivotal it is, how central it is that when our rootedness in God is established, come cataclysms, come batteries of the ever-changing faith of mankind. We will never lose our orientation. But for Isaiah, it was a vision that one day, in the midst of the ruins, they will rebuild, they will renew, and they will restore. More than a hundred years later, Nehemiah was the one who was raised by the Lord to fulfill this prophecy. Nehemiah was already born in the kingdom of Persia. And he was already a privileged person in the kingdom of Persia because he was the cupbearer of the emperor, Arctaxerxes. But Nehemiah remained rooted to his heritage as a Jew. So much so that one day when he was visited by one of his brothers, Hanani, and he cared to ask about the status, and that's when he received the news that after all of these years, some 163 years before, King Cyrus already allowed the Israelites to go home, to rebuild. But no rebuilding was done. Zerubbabel, yes, rebuilt the temple, but even the temple was a pale comparison. It paled in comparison to the glorious temple of Solomon. People were still living in disgrace. People were very much troubled. Ezra, 80 years after Zerubbabel, went home and even Ezra could not perform his priestly duties because he just knew the nation was in such in a spiritual malady. Sobra ang pagkakasakit na spiritual na dinaranas at pinagdadaanan ng bansa. So 13 years after Ezra went home, it was a time when Nehemiah was moved by God. And we reasoned about three years ago that when somebody like Nehemiah would have that Popeye moment, when somebody would say like Popeye, that's all I can stand and I can stand no more, that change begins to happen. And so Nehemiah 
was able to get the support of the King Artaxerxes. And he went home and he rallied the support of the people. And he said, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. And so, my friends, three years ago, the Lord made use of these words from the scriptures to impart and to impress upon our hearts as well as Lighthouse family that this is His word and this is His vision for us. Not just for 2018, not just for 2019, but a seven-year vision that we would be pursuing as a community. And we said, we will rebuild the community. And so we had this emblem of magkakapit bisig, magkakapit kamay. Because we, 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 we reasoned that if you're going to rebuild a community, it had to be, it has to be, and it will always be a team effort. It will be teamwork that will make the dream work, we said. And we said also that we are here to renew the call. That we've got to refresh the mandate of Lighthouse to be a lighthouse of loving community and a storehouse of enriching ministries for the harvest of the nation and the nations. And we need to pass on the baton to the young generation because they too are part of this ongoing narrative of God from generation unto generation. And we also said that we have to restore the core. And so Lighthouse family, Citygate family, you must be very, very familiar with these words. Rebuild, renew, restore. And we also reasoned that the process of restoration and renewing and rebuilding would never be a walk in the park. As in the days of Nehemiah, even as they were building the walls, rebuilding the walls, there were the Zanbalats. There were the mockers. There were the ones that would threaten to attack them and stop them from this glorious task of rebuilding. And so we also shouted here in Lighthouse, as we do the rebuilding, the renewing, and the restoring, we say, swords up, shovels down. Because that is the health of Christian life. We fall down on our knees, even as we stand tall to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. We go fasting, even as we continue to do the works of the Lord. We continue in our intercession, knowing and proclaiming that if God's grace would not be upon us, there is nothing that we can accomplish in this side of eternity. And so I pray that even as we are still reeling, and even as we are still in the center of this pandemic, whose end we still don't know, we continue to declare, swords up, shovels down. There is so much to accomplish, my friends. But together, we can do the will of the Lord. And so in today's Vision Sunday, why don't we turn to the book of Nehemiah once again? This time, I'd like you to start from the 8th chapter. I will be reading from the New International Version. Let's start with verse 2. So on the first day of the seventh month of Ezra, the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. 
He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the peoples listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Matthiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseah. And on his left were Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashabdana, Zechariah, and Mishalam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. May the Lord add blessings to the preaching of His Word. I have entitled this sermon, Restore the Core. Let us pray. Father, only you can penetrate the hardest of hearts. Only you can transmit divine messages from your spirit to our spirit. So today, Lord, we ask you, O oh Lord, speak unto us in ways only you can. And we pray that you find in our hearts a fertile soil so that as you know, sow the seeds of faith. We know, Lord, all of us will be rich repository of the gems of the kingdom of God. As you know, speak to your people in Jesus' name. And everyone will say, Amen. The word core is a very familiar word to all of us. I am sure of that. For example, one of the movies that I enjoyed watching in Netflix is entitled The Core. I'm sure you have watched it too. And the main thesis of the movie was that the earth was dying. The earth is going haywire. Why? Because the core is losing its heat. And you know, when the heat of the core of the earth loses its potency, everything else will die. And so in that heroic mission, they drilled from the crust to the mantle and to the core to jumpstart the core of the earth. That's how important the core is. For those of you that are very much into physical fitness, you know that if you're going to be a serious athlete, the first thing that your trainer, whether it's a badminton trainer, whether it's a basketball trainer, whether it's a gym trainer, a boxing trainer, the first thing that he will encourage you or she will encourage you is to make sure that you will have optimal core training. Because when the core is strong, when the core is stable, you've got balance. You will not be easily injured. You'll be able to enjoy the process of being trained. In the marketplace ministry, and for you who are very much in the corporate life, you know that every company aspires to live up to their core values. Values and words that are very much familiar. Words like integrity, respect, 
work-life balance, ownership, these timeless principles that if we lose sight of them, the very core, the very essence of the company will also suffer. And here in our ministries in Lighthouse, I'm sure you're very much aware that every ministry that is being birthed, the first thing that we do is the way Jesus did it to form our core group. And that's why Jesus had his 12 disciples. And even amongst his 12 disciples, he had his inner circle, the three disciples. The core is very important. Because when the core is stable, pag matibay po ang core, ang dami nating nagagawa. When the core's integrity is unblemished, walang bitak, walang compromise, lahat ay nagkakaisa, everyone is pursuing one direction, nothing is impossible. When there is unity, the Bible would say, there's nothing that man cannot do. I'm sure you were glued to your televisions last week when President Joe Biden of the USA was sworn into office. But I don't know with you, but I was smitten. Not so much by Biden's speech. It was good. Not so much by the side of all the presidents, ex-presidents, former presidents that were there and all the who's who of America. But for me, the show stealer was really Amanda Gorman. This 21-year-old African-American lady who was the National Youth Poet Laureate of the U.S. of A. And she delivered an ode to her nation. And I could not recite it here. I could not do it as well as she did. But I'm sure you're going to Google it and watch it in YouTube. And I just quote an excerpt of this, if I may, or if you will. The title of the poem is The Hill We Climb. And the last two stanzas of this 10-minute poem would say, Our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge bettered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light. If only we're brave enough to see it, if only were brave enough to be it. She was met with a thunderous applause. All these top hunches of the U.S. of A. gave her standing ovation. And I just rewatched and rewatched her poetry. Why? Because, as I said a while ago, it was an ode to her nation. And we know very much, we're very much familiar how America is very much battered still is very much battered, not only because of their COVID-19 crisis, which is the worst in the entire planet, but also because this nation, the U.S. of A., has been marked by such bitter division among its people, Republicans against um, Democrats, uh, the blacks against the whites, Black Lives Matter, the white supremacists. Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I, I will not put my commentary to that because I, am, I, I don't have the right to. I am not an American citizen. But the only thing that I can say is that 
they are deeply wounded as a nation. And so, to hear somebody like Amanda Gorman delivering a hope-filled poetry on how it is that if only the people will see the light and embrace the light and be the light, then there may be hope in the horizon of this great nation. This can be very much a poetry for the Philippines because we know the challenges that we are facing as a nation. But more than America and more than the Philippines, I remember Israel. How this nation had been so battered by the many testings and trials of life inflicted upon them by their enemies or brought to them by their very own hard-headedness or by the very righteous indignations of God and therefore the anger and the wrath of God was poured upon them. This nation was just battered. Was there hope for Israel? Would they be able to recover? Would they be able to rebuild, renew, and restore? But one lesson that I have learned, that we have learned in all these years of studying the scriptures is that when the core character is restored, then the spiritual health of the nation is also bettered. There's always a prerequisite for people to go back to their rootedness, to who they are. Kailangan malalim ang hugot mo. Kailangan stable ang tinutungtungan mong pundasyon sa iyong buhay. Because when you know what it is that you're standing on or who it is that you're relying upon, when you very well know who you are as a person, your character, your nature as a child of God, then there's a better chance for your spiritual health that might have been put to the test to be brought back to its original health or even in a better state. So, going back now to the book of Nehemiah, you can just picture it. What took 163 years that convinced the people that the walls of Jerusalem were just far from being rebuilt, it only took Nehemiah and the people of his nation that were so inspired 52 days. And now the walls were rebuilt. You could just imagine the confidence that it brought back to the people of Israel. You could just imagine now they could sleep more peacefully at night because now they knew the enemies could not just come in unannounced in the middle of their sleep. But more than that, they just knew that maybe because the walls of Jerusalem were now rebuilt, maybe, just maybe, the favor of the Lord would now soon be returned unto them. And so you could just imagine Ezra ascending into this platform as this picture would now show us. And from his viewpoint, he could see the throngs of people. Maybe they're very much in the celebratory mode at the time because they could now see the walls of Jerusalem clean and very much stable. And on the day, Isaiah opens this scroll. And of the many scrolls that he could open that day, we now know that he opened into the book of Leviticus, the scroll of Leviticus. And such was the spontaneous response of the people that as soon as 
Ezra started reading from the book. People started lifting their hands and there was spontaneous worship and people were bowing down saying amen and amen. Such is the grandeur, such is the beauty, such is the punctuation of that day when Ezra started reading the word of God. And verse 3 says that Ezra started reading from the book of Leviticus from, suns, from sunrise Madaling araw pa lang, till noon. That's about six hours of continuous reading. How is that for, for attention span, huh? Six hours na halos walang gumagalaw sa mga, is, mga Israelita. Uhaw na uhaw silang tinatanggap ang bawat salita na sinasabi ni Ezra. And you can just imagine here, Lighthouse family, probably there's the... The depth of the audience probably about two kilometers away from Ezra. And there was a, there was, this was a time when they, had, they didn't have the benefit of microphones and public address system. And so they would have relayers. May mga relay. So as Ezra would read, the relayers would now shout to the people and the relayers of the relayers until the people some two or three kilometers away would also have the benefit of listening to the word of God. And so literally... In the silence of the people, you could literally hear a pin drop. I pray, mga kaibigan, if I may stop here for a while, I pray that this is a good New Year's resolution for all of us. Namanumbalik sa atin ang ganong klaseng attention span for the Word of God. Because right now, as I surveyed even our own church, it seems like Ang norm ngayon ay hindi na yung patagalan ng service, kundi paiklian. Yung dating two hours, pastor, pwede bang two and a half hours, one and a half hours na lang? Yung one and a half hours, pwede bang gawing one hour and fifteen? And even kung gawin mong one hour and fifteen minutes, people are still very much uneasy, especially sa online service. Kakasimula pa lang ng worship, tatayo na, pupunta na sa kusina, magkakape, Babalik sa salas para manood in the middle of the sermon, aalis, gagawa ng sandwich. The attention span of people is just so short these days. I hope I am not describing your home right now kung ganun ang nangyayari. But in Nehemiah's time, people were so gripped with such thirst and genuine hunger for the Word of God. And for me, if there is one core value, that needs to be restored. And this is the word of the Lord. It's the core value of the centrality of the word of God. It's the centrality of the word of God. It's the hunger. It's the desire of the word of the Lord, of the people of the Lord for the word of God. And so our in-house artist, Celine Lazare, gave us this depiction of how it is to be centered in the word of God. The picture of rootedness. When you have the roots, my friend, come summertime, come famine time, come the deserts, come the midnights of our lives, you will remain healthy because your roots are well penetrated into the deep soil of faith. You see, again, context lang mga kapatid. Throughout their own history, the Jewish people had traditionally drawn their strength from two main sources. Aside from the Word of God. 
two main sources. Number one was their temple. The actual building. Nasanay sila na in the temple, nagsimulayan sa tent of meeting, sa tabernacle dun sa desert, and when they already crossed to the promised land, Solomon built them this grand temple that was the envy of the rest of the world. And they just thought, and they just believed, that for as long as the temple was there, with all its pomp, with all its impressive structure, they just knew that they had access, or at least the high priest would have access to the Holy of Holies. And people were content with that already. For as long as they were religious in bringing their sacrificial lambs, and for as long as this lamb would be accepted by the priest, and for as long as they would hear the absolution that would come from the high priest, then they knew, for another year. The temple was the epicenter of their spiritual lives. The second pillar of strength of these people were their leadership, their kings. And that's why when they were gifted with benevolent kings, David, Solomon, the people rejoiced. There was prosperity in the land. There were military victories. But they also knew that whenever their nation was ruled by unscrupulous kings, they knew that idolatry would be ushered in and great would be the evil in the entire land of Israel. But these two pillars throughout the history of the Jewish people always proved wanting. Largely because the people were depraved. The temple that they so focused their religious lives on we're also littered with idols. Imagine that, where the presence of Yahweh would come down to meet with the high priest. They, they were so depraved that they put the idols, the statues of other gods and goddesses in the very same temple that Yahweh's presence would be in. And for the kings, you know very well if you're well-versed with the story or the history of the Jewish people, there were more evil kings than there were righteous ones. And so when the Babylonians came, when the Assyrians came, when the Persians came, the temple was just built, was just destroyed, and nothing was left of it. Until today, when you go to Israel, all that is left in that grand Solomon's temple is that wailing wall. When we were in Israel, that's all that's left of that grand temple that they had. That wailing wall. The kings, after they were conquered by the Babylonians, there were no more kings in the land of Israel. And so, you could just imagine now, when Ezra ascended to that wooden platform, it's a far cry from the pomp and the grandiosity of their temple, but at least they now realized they are being rerouted to the real source of their power as a people. And what is that? The Word of God. The Word of God that they had so forsaken for the longest time. The Word of God that they had not clung on to for the longest time. And that's why, that's why it was so easy for them to rebel against the Lord. It was so easy for them to just walk away from God. Because the Word of God was never central to their lives. They were deceived. They had this religious mindset. Yan ang problema ng pagiging religious, mga kapatid. 
because he just thought or people just start thinking, basta makapag-church, ayos na yan. Basta maayos ang presidente ng Pilipinas, ayos na yan. But all of these institutions would always be fallen. They would be imperfect. But when you go back to the Word of God, the result will be, there will be the revival of the prosperity of the soul of the saints. And so, just to cite a few, anong nangyari sa mga Israelita during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah? Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6. When Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, all the people's hands responded, lifted up, and they responded, Amen, Amen. And they started worshiping the Lord with their faces to the ground. They haven't done so. They had not been able to do the same act of worship for the last almost 163 years. When they were in captivity, they were forced to learn the language of the Babylonians. They were forced to learn the language of the Persians. But now that the walls were rebuilt, when the infrastructure was established, now they could worship the Lord. There was a revival in their souls. Verse 9, all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Yan po ang magandang epekto ng salita ng Diyos. Yung dating sobrang tigas na puso, parang ang bilis mong lumuha ngayon sa Panginoon. I, I always enjoy when Pastor Leo, one of our senior leaders here in church, would say, mula nung maging pastor siya, ang kanyang dating pusong bato bilang isang sundalo ay pinalitin ni Lord ng isang pusong sobrang lambot. Sabi niya, Pastor, binubuksan pa lang ang Biblia, naiiyak na ako, tumutulo ng luha ko. Whereas before, sabi niya sa pagiging sundalo, ang mantra, bawal umiyak. The same was happening to the people in Ezra's time, in Nehemiah's time. People started weeping. It's a revival of the soul. Sensitivity was coming back. Verse 12, they started to celebrate with great joy because now they understood the words that had been made known. To them. In the same chapter, just few verses apart, the words weeping and celebration were together. When they hear the word of the Lord, nag-iiyakan sila. And then Ezra says, stop weeping. Today is a day of rejoicing. And they started celebrating because for the first time, they heard the word of the Lord. And for the first time, they understood the word of the Lord. One verse that must have resonated in their hearts that day was that proclamation of the Lord to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua this time had been dead for hundreds if not thousands of years already. But they must have remembered the word of the Lord. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. That's why, my friend, I believe God is moving me and you, my friend, you who is watching right now, you who are watching right now, God is moving us to go back, to reroot to the centrality of the Word. Because when we reroot in the Word of God, we find treasures, we find wisdom, we are guided in the ways that we should go. By the word of God, his servants are warned. And by it, we are also rewarded. For example, 
As Ezra continued to read from the scrolls of Leviticus, they found it written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. Doon lang nila naalala. Meron palang isang piyestang minamandato sa kanila ng book of Leviticus. The whole company that had returned from exile built booths and lived in them. And from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until the day the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Imagine that. One of the holiest festivities that the Lord mandates in His Word had long been forgotten. Kailan nila pinagdiwang ang Feast of Booths or otherwise known as the Feast of Tabernacles? Nung time pa ni Joshua. Ano bang ginagawa nila? They call it also the Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. They were supposed to make makeshift tents in order for the Israelites, for the Jewish people to remember those days when they were just in the wilderness and they were living in booths and tents so that they could pack it and unpack it. They could pitch their tent and they could unpitch their tent. When the glory of the Lord moves, they move as well. It was a glorious tradition that God didn't want them to forget. But exactly because they didn't read the Word of God. Because the Word of God lost its centrality in their lives. People started to rebel. People started forgetting what it was or what those things were that God did for them when they were in the wilderness. And so, when, when the Jewish people were already established in Israel, every time they would have this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, the high priest would now have this golden flask and he would go down to the, to the spring of Shiluach and he would fetch from the pure spring water. And as, as he would ascend now back to the temple, people were dancing and the shofars were sounding off. And they would be reciting this verse from Isaiah 12 verse 3. With joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Why were they doing this? Because it was in remembrance that when they were in the desert and they were parched and they were thirsty, God commanded Moses to command the rock and the rock was split and the rock gushed out water and so they were never thirsty even in that desert place that they were in. And so when you read the Word of God, you remember God's awesome deeds. And you know what? In the Gospel of John chapter 7, Jesus, as a Jew, celebrated the Feast of Booths. But more than celebrating the Feast of Booths, now John chapter 7 will record that Jesus now made use of this very feast to proclaim one of the most glorious pronouncements of Jesus Christ. As people were now shouting Isaiah chapter 12, with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation and the shofars were being blown and as they were dancing on the last and greatest day of the feast of tabernacle, John 7, 37, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow 
from within him. Now look at that. The akmang-akma ang proklamasyon ng Panginoon. People are talking about the quenching of their thirst. And Jesus made that as a classic sermon illustration for the people to know that all of your lives, Jewish people, You've been looking and you've been searching for that water out of the wells of salvation. But when you look at me, Jesus would say, when you look at me and when you come to me and drink from me and believe in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. And isn't that the grand celebration, my friend? Isn't that a grand realization that whenever you read the word of God, be it Old Testament or New Testament, all of these scriptures attest to the personhood of Jesus Christ, our Messiah. I can cite more examples, but in the interest of time, I limit it to that story. So core value number one is the centrality of the word. The Lord wants us to reroute in this lighthouse family. And our reasonable action is we should activate our Bible study pursuits. Yes, my friends, now that the Lord is reviving our souls, the Lord is wanting us to activate, to reactivate our Bible study pursuits, that we should carve out these glorious times when we can read the very Word of God, when we can see Jesus being revealed unto us. Kung yung feeding the Word of God, kapatid, would be on Sundays like this alone. I'm telling you, you'll be one initiated disciple. You'll be one malnourished disciple. Even right now, I am rushing to the sermon because I know I'm already past my 45-minute mark. But you see, when you go back and activate your Bible study pursuit, you become a self-feeder. You have the discipline of opening the Bible for yourself. You have the discipline of researching. You have the discipline of enrolling, say, in our Center for Ministerial Fellowship, our CMF. We will be featuring a lot of Bible study courses in this year, 2021 and beyond. Make sure that you're very much part of it. Every day, for the last 21 days, your pastors have been coming online, doing the daily devotion of the Word. And we shall continue that for the rest of the year. The elders will soon be joining us in the devotions of the Word. In this coming week, for example, we will have Bible survey expositions. This week, or the week of February 8th, Pastor Sam Sade will, will have a Bible survey on the book of Genesis. The week after that, Pastor Saniel will have a Bible survey on the book of Exodus. And after that, another pastor will come to talk about the book of Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Why? Because we are so convicted by the Lord. If we are going to bring back the centrality of the Word of God, we have to coax, we have to whet the appetite of the people of the Lord so that we will desire these moments when we are in the Word and we stay in the Word for the rest of our days. Core value number one. Now let me take you to core value number two. That is the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Reading the Word of God, being centered in the Word of God is an ideal. It is a spiritual habit. 
It is a habit of the heart that God is pushing us and will continue to push us for the rest of our lives. But without core value number two, Bible reading can have the danger of just being a mere intellectual ascent. Kung pagbabasa lang ng Biblia, I'm sure maraming taong palabasan ng Biblia. As a matter of fact, just turn on your television, a lot of, or maybe YouTube, a lot of debates, bangayan, insultuhan, awayan ng mga relihiyon ay dahil bawat isa nagbabasa ng Bible at bawat isa may kanya-kanyang interpretasyon ng kung anong sinasabi ng Biblia. Would you agree? And so, by itself, it can pose dangers. So it cannot be divorced from core value number two, which is the overflow of the Spirit. We've got to invite the Holy Spirit in our Bible reading time. We've got to invite and involve the Holy Spirit. Invoke His engagement, His involvement, and His presence in the very details of our lives. Every moment, mga kapatid. He's the paracleto. He's the one that comes alongside. He's the dunamis of the Lord. He's the strength. He's the dynamo. He's the strength and the power of the Godhead. Without the Holy Spirit, we could easily be thrown off to bitterness, we could be easily thrown off to doubts and faithlessness or even downright skepticism or cynicism. I don't know with you, as you have walked through your life as a Christian even, you have read so much of the Bible, you have heard so much of the preachings, but sometimes if you are not careful to involve the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, your heart can be calloused. Why? Because experiences sometimes tell you otherwise. It tell you, it, sometimes your experiences would show you realities that are contrary to what you just read from the Bible. I remember this story. One night, may kumatok sa bahay ng isang tao. At pagbukas niya, mayroong isang taong, alam niyang medyo lango sa kalasingan, pero humihingi ng tulong mukhang mabait naman. It was about 12 o'clock midnight. And uh, the man said, Anong may tutulong ko sa'yo, bro? And this lasing guy says, Pwede ho bang patulong magtulak? And the guy said, Pambihiran ng gising ka, hating gabi para naman magtulak ng kung ano mang pinapatulak mo. I am not okay with this. Good night. At pinagsaraduhan niya ng pintuan ang mamang nanghihingi ng tulong. As he went back to his bed, the wife said, Who was that? And the man said, Oh, may isang lasing nanghihingi ng tulong para magtulak. Para itulak daw. And the wife started berating the husband. Ikaw talaga, hindi mo naaalala ang pinagdaanan natin. You remember nung nasa Tagaytay tayo, nasiraan tayo, tinulungan ka ng mga tambay para itulak yung sasakyan natin. Kung hindi, hindi tayo makakauwi. And now, yan ang isusukli mo sa isang taong nangangailangan. And so gripped by that guilt, the man said, okay, okay, okay. And so he stood up from his bed and he went out. But this time, when he opened the door at 12 midnight, he could no longer see the man. And so he shouted into the darkness, Parikoy! Nandiyan ka ba? And from the distance, he could hear the voice, Opo! And the guy said, Kailangan ng tulong para itulak! And the guy from the distance said, Opo! And the man said, Nasaan ka? And the guy from the distance said, Nandito ako sa swing, pakitulak! 
Nagsiswing lang pala. Nanggising ng istorbo. But you see, that's an anecdote. But sometimes people are already wary of helping, of being kind, of living out the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because you have been abused. You have been maltreated. And that's why sometimes tumatalbog na lang sa atin ang salita ng Diyos because you'll say, ah, hindi naman totoo yan. It's a fairy tale. In real life, ibigay mo ang kamay mo, kakainin pati braso mo. Kaya pastor, bawal ang mabait sa mundong to. Aabusuhin ka. Core value number two is the overflow of the Spirit. To affirm that the Holy Spirit is a third person of the Godhead. And if you'll just be honest about it, He's the person of the Godhead that has been most neglected. Wala tayo masyadong problema when it comes to relating with God the Father, with God the Son. But God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit remains to be an enigma in the lives of many people. The New Testament is replete with teachings about asking the Lord that He richly dispenses upon us the gifts of the Spirit, of healing, of prophecy, of miracles. But you see, there's even a very big portion of Christianity that would now contend that even these gifted, the gifts of the Holy Spirit already have ceased to be given to His people. We call them the cessationist uh, believers. They have the cessation theology. That the Holy Spirit thou was only active in the first century before the canon of the Scripture was put into its present form. But now that we have the Bible, the Bible is all we need and the Holy Spirit cannot do miracles anymore or the Holy Spirit does not want to do any miracles anymore. Mga kapatid, Lighthouse is unabashedly and apologetically, we don't apologize about this, we are Pentecostal in tradition. We believe that the Holy Spirit is ever active, ever dynamic. If we needed the Holy Spirit in the first century, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit now? When there's such lawlessness, when Satanism is open, when abortion is very much the rule of the day, when genders are being re-identified, hindi mo nalam kung anong tatawag mo sa kanyang pronoun. He, she, it, they, re. Marami na silang mga pronouns ngayon, hindi na lang he tsaka she, dahil ma-offend na ang mga transsexual, mga bisexual, mga asexual. We need the Holy Spirit now more than ever, mga kapatid. And I pray that we overflow in Him. What's the result? When we emphasize on this core value, oh, our spiritual disciplines are revitalized. That is one benefit that when we involve the Holy Spirit, nabubuhay din yung spiritual discipline sa atin. Because the word discipline is very much, maraming taong averse to that word, if you'll just be honest about it. But it's the discipline of the Spirit that makes us consistent. It makes us rooted. It makes us stable in the vacillations of this thing called life. Let's now move to the ninth chapter of Nehemiah. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together and they were fasting and they were in sackcloth and having dust on their head. When the Holy Spirit overflows, fasting becomes easy. There's greater hunger for the Word of God, 
than it is for physical food. There is wearing of sackcloth and dust in their heads. This is a Jewish practice to make themselves uncomfortable. To make them realize, hey, you are from dust and from dust you shall return. Kung dumarating sa mga puntong, nagyayabang ka na dahil mayaman ka na, you can afford all the expensive jewelries and all the expensive clothing, people would wear sackcloth every so often to, to show their repentance over their materialism, to show their repentance over their tendencies to walk away from the commandments of the Lord. Those are spiritual disciplines. Verse 2, the Israelites had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. Another spiritual discipline when the Holy Spirit overflows in us. Confessing one sin becomes easier. Consecration or separating yourself from the world, it becomes easier. Even confessing the wickedness of our forefathers becomes natural for us. For us to realize Minana natin ang kasalanan, the generational curses that we have inherited from our forefathers. And just because of that, we are under the curse. But when the Holy Spirit overflows in us, and when we read the word that convicts us, confessing this to God and to each other becomes easy. Verse 3 says, They stood where they were, and they read from the book of the law, for a quarter of the day, and spent another quarter in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. Another spiritual discipline, worship. How it is the vanishing jewel amongst the evangelicals now, as my hero, Pastor Chuck Swindle, would say in one of his books. It's the missing jewel of evangelical Christianity. Worship is no longer alive amongst many people. For many people, worship is nothing but the songs sung by our Levites a few minutes back. But worship is more than a song. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is the confession of the mouth. Worship is the surrender of everything that you have before the Lord and giving the steering wheel of your life to God. You're not even the... The second driver, you are in the back seat. You are the mere passenger. You don't have a say in this. God has the ultimate sovereignty in your life. You see, when the Spirit of the Lord rests upon us, Isaiah 11 would say, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, it's also upon us. I pray, ladies and gentlemen, I pray, brothers and sisters, that this will mark our 2021 and beyond. That we will be people of the book, centered in the Word of God, but we will also overflow in the Spirit of the Lord. So what will be our reasonable action? That we call on the Holy Spirit at all times. My mom would tell me when I was so much younger in summer, anak, best friend mo ang Holy Spirit. And I never forgot that. And my mom would say, it was her Lola, Lola Idang, that would tell her, Elbi, tawag sa Holy Spirit. Tumawag ka sa Holy Spirit. I pray, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that there will be a restoration of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in us. To the Holy Spirit, we confess our sins. To the Holy Spirit, before the Holy Spirit, we repent of every transgression 
that we have done. It is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we become open and now qualified to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that in our lives and through our ministries, the edification and the building up of the body of Christ shall also be made possible. Core value number three, the resilience of the saints. You see, the book of Nehemiah records that as the, as the Levites erupted into worship and songs, they started recalling the pilgrimage of the entire Jewish generations from Abraham, from Moses, all the things that they have been through as a people, the massive testings and trials that they were subjected to. And so when I was asking our in-house artist, Sister Celine Lazare, from her heart, what does this artwork mean? He says, that's the, that's the trunk of a tree, Pastor. A trunk of a tree. A tree that has been weathered. A tree that has been through generations, if not centuries, of storms and heat and floods and abuse of men. But the reason why it is an oak tree is because it has sustained, it has received the blows of life, and yet it has stood still because the roots of this tree is deep down into the soil. And so it is with the resilience of the saints. When we realize the reason why nakatatayo pa rin tayo hanggang ngayon mga kapatid is because God has been so good unto us. When we talk about resilience, I don't talk about grit, yung very humanistic, self-centered, person-centric power to live this life. No. I'm talking about the resilience when we affirm that the reason why we can persevere is because God is the one that preserves us. The reason why we can stand is because it's God that holds us. The reason why we can walk and pursue this life, it's because it's God that holds us and guides us through. It's never about you, my friend. It's never about the person. It's all about the sustaining power of God that has made you resilient all these years. And that's why the results are apparent. When the people are resilient, the name of God is revered all the more. Let me show you some verses. Nehemiah now, Nehemiah chapter 9 now recalls the resilience of their forefathers. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out of Ur. See, because God chose Abraham, Abraham could be resilient as a man of God. Verse 8, you have kept your promise because you are righteous. The reason why we could still stand because you're God who keeps promises. Verse 9, you saw the suffering of our forefathers. You heard their cry. Kaya kami nasaklulohan because nakita mo at narinig mo ang aming pagtangis. Verse 17, they became stiff-necked and in the rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and therefore you did not desert them. You see, my friend, 
The book of Nehemiah points us that the reason why you can be sustained in this life is because God is never a deserter. God is the one that freely supplies without finding fault. One of my textbooks in my systematic theology class, Lewis Burkhoff would say, perseverance may be defined as a continuous operation of the Holy Spirit in the believer by which the work of divine grace that is begun in the heart is continued and brought to completion. It is because God never forsakes His work that believers continue to stand to the very end. So at the end of the day, when you are strong, when you can say we are more than conquerors through Him, it's not because of you. It's all because of God. Core value number three, resilience. So what is our reasonable action? Continue to trust in the Lord's power to preserve His people. Continue to call to remembrance. It is God that held you through all the ups and downs of your life. It was God who was there when you were grieving. It was God who sustained you when you suffered that bankruptcy. It was God that gave you the wisdom when you were in that crossroad of your life. It was God that convinced you your marriage was worth fighting for. Kaya hanggang ngayon, intact pa rin ang pag-aasawa mo. It was God that held you through that night when you and you and you were in your sick bed. And God whispered in your ear to the Word of God that I am God that heals. And because of that, my friends, continue to trust in His power to preserve you. And lastly, core value number four, that I believe God is wanting us, Lighthouse family, to be rerouted in is the core value of expansion of the kingdom of Christ. It is all about the kingdom of Christ. Kaya ginawa ni Lord ang kanyang ginawa sa buhay natin. Because the kingdom of God is forcibly advancing and men of force are taking hold of it. The kingdom of God has its agenda. The kingdom of God represents the values of the divine. The kingdom of God is open to those whom He has called into His bosom. The kingdom of God is preserved to those whom He has predetermined to be part of His kingdom. But here's also one kingdom truth. There is a kingdom that is against the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of darkness that has kidnapped the children of the kingdom of light. There's a kingdom of the devil that has blinded the minds of those that are yet to believe so that they could not see the power of the gospel of God. And therefore, our commission stays the same. Expand the kingdom of God. Bear fruit as Pastor Jonathan reminded us last Sunday, because only in so doing that we respect, that we adhere, that we say yes, sir, to the greatest commander-in-chief of our souls, the one that has issued us not the great suggestion, but the great commission that we should proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the very ends of the earth. What's the result that we can expect when we adhere to this core value, God's great commission 
is renewed. Nehemiah 9 verse 22. The word of God says, You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. Now all of these are spoken in the context of the military expeditions of the Israelites. But for our context today, it is also a notion of warfare. Hindi tayo pwede manghina sa labang ito. And God already is assuring us, He has given us the nations of the world, the most remote of frontiers. Every time I would gather with our missionaries from Nepal, from India, China, Cambodia, Burma, Myanmar, even our missionaries to the tribes, the unreached people group. I am just astounded by how God is moving even in the remotest frontiers. God has His heart for these people and He already has given us these kingdoms. The question is, will you obey the command of the Lord for you to expand it? Verse 23, You made their sons as numerous as the stars in the sky. God already foretells that the children of the Lord will abound in this life and in the next life to come. The question is, will you be the one, just like Isaiah, to say, Lord, here I am, send me. I want to capture, I want to rescue your children. Will you be the one to go to the ends of the earth? Verse 24, their sons went in and took possession of the land. Verse 25, and they ate to the full, and they were well nourished, and they reveled in your great goodness. Not just in the physical sense, but when you obey the great commission, my friend, you realize. You draw a smile in the lips of God. You bring comfort and ease to the very heart of God that has been broken because many of His children have remained captive to the evil one. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. And so today, my friends, we are being reminded in Matthew 11, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. My friends, that's the core value of expanding the kingdom of God. So what's our reasonable action? Seek God's kingdom agenda. People that are most sensitive to the kingdom agenda of the Lord are the ones that are most in the forefront of the unraveling of the greatest miracles of God. Imagine if you have the work of a midwife that every time you assist a mother giving birth to a child and you are there to catch this bundle of joy as he lets out his first cry into this world and you are that person that assists in the birth of a person such is the joy of those that are closest to the agenda of the kingdom. You are there to usher people from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of light. And the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bear the good news, that bring 
the good news. I pray, my friend, that all of these core values, as the Lord has now ushered us to the new year 2021, these core values are being restored in us because the call is very, very clear. Restore the core. The centrality of the Word. The overflow of the Holy Spirit. The resilience of the saints. The expansion of the kingdom. And God wants you to be excited, my friends. What are the results to be expected? Your prosperity of your soul will be revived. The spiritual disciplines of your life will be revitalized. The name of God will be revered and the Great Commission will be renewed. What are again our reasonable actions? To activate our Bible study pursuits. To call on the Holy Spirit constantly. To trust in the Lord's power to preserve and to seek God's kingdom agenda at all times. Look at the screen now. For this year, 2021, to my Lighthouse family, to my Lighthouse fellow pastors, to my Lighthouse fellow elders, to our missionaries all over the planet, I believe the Lord's Spirit has spoken to the church. This is the very heartbeat of God. Restore the core and God's greater glory shall be 